This ASAP podcast is brought to you by Spec Athletic, the sports flooring professionals with Regapole technology. Well, let me drop a few names on where you'll find Spec Athletic and their Regapole flooring. You know, ASAP Athletic Strength and Power has been to basically all of the top training centers in the world, and you're not going to find facilities that top Ohio State, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan, Michigan State, you know, Cincinnati the Browns, the Bengals, Illinois, Purdue. And what you'll find is that the one common denominator at these facilities is their sports flooring by Spec Athletic. And I know it may seem like you have to be in the college football playoffs to go with Spec Athletic. I will tell you, there's an A through Z roll call of other college and high school programs that enjoy having the best flooring. And if you've ever had to redo a floor, you already know that it's something that you don't want to repeat doing for a very long time. So check out specathletic.com. Then give Kevin Cassidy a call. He'll set you up and get your floor right. And this is Ed Sicali with Athletic Strength and Power Podcasts. I'm on the east side of Cincinnati, Ohio today at the Beacon Orthopedic Branch office here on the east side. I'm with Dr. Robert Rolfe. He's uh, also from Cincinnati. Dr. Rolfe, thanks for joining us with the podcast today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. You're Cincinnati born and raised, so I am. Uh, if you could tell us a little bit about your background and uh, how you ended up here. Here you are on the east side. I think you're kind of a west sider. Yeah, I, I grew up a west sider. I actually uh, grew up in Westwood and uh, ended up going to LaSalle High School. Went up to Notre Dame for uh, actually chemical engineering and uh, decided I'd work for a couple years and, and wasn't quite happy, so I decided to go back to medical school and came back home to Cincinnati where I went to medical school and decided to go into orthopedics and did that down in Atlanta at Emory University. Mm-hmm. Uh, really enjoyed what I did. Uh, I chose to do a shoulder fellowship and I was blessed to go up to Harvard and learn how to do some shoulder surgery. So I spent a year up in Boston, uh, which was a great sports year because that year I think the Red Sox won, the Celtics won, and the, that's the year the Patriots almost went undefeated. So it was a great wow. sports year to be up there. And uh, I've been back home for I think 12 or 13 years now and been with Beacon, and it's it's nice to be back home and, and treat people from Cincinnati, and my practice is mainly on the west side, but I do have a couple of satellites that I go to out in Indiana and on the east side of town as well. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you mentioned that you when you went to Notre Dame, you, you studied chemical engineering. I did chemical engineering. I, I think I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I grew up, and I thought chemical engineering was a nice way to be prepared for multiple paths, whether it be med school, business school, law school, or what I did go into the workforce for a while. So while I was up in Newark, Ohio, uh, at Newark Catholic High School, uh, wondering uh, what I wanted to do, screw around after school and everything, you're thinking about going to Notre Dame and uh, studying (laughs) chemical engineering. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that was my my backup plan, I guess. Yeah, that's why you're you're doing a surgery, Doc. (laughs) Well, yeah. Um, so yeah, Notre Dame, and then uh, you, you're actually not the first uh, Notre Dame guy we've had on the show. It's uh, I think you said you're related to Dr. Berger. In, Bob Berger in is my uncle. He yeah. actually uh, played football at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the uh, the scout team for Bob Golick when he was a freshman. So I'm sure he got beat up pretty good when he was up there, but ended up having a pretty good career up there and is a, a really good physician in Cincinnati. And it's a pleasure to. Uh, to have him as a role model and uh, certainly something I model my practice after. And we know uh, Dr. Uh, Robert Berger's son, Joe Berger, Chris Berger, and Bobby Berger, they've all uh, 
uh, had some experience with ASAP, athletic strength and power. Yeah, like they've that. all made their rounds. You know, uh, the, the the bookends, Bobby and Joe, obviously uh, played college football, one at Notre Dame, and Joe did very well at Ohio State. And then mm-hmm. the, uh, the middle two were excellent golfers and uh, were at Xavier University. And I'm hoping that uh, my kids can take some lessons from them as they get older. Yeah, Doc, your specialized area of expertise is the shoulder joint. That's got to be one of the more complicated joints in the body, I would think. I mean, as far as, you know, fixing it up and going in and exploring and repairing. It is. It's, uh, you know, one of the reasons I decided to go into shoulder is, uh, one, I thought it was a unique joint because, you know, people like to say it's a ball and socket joint, but really it's it's more of a ball on a socket, and it relies on all those soft tissues around it, those soft tissues including the uh, rotator cuff and uh, the different ligaments in the shoulder. And what fascinated me about the shoulder is not just that it's a complicated joint, but there were so many great things that were on the horizon. We're really starting to figure out how to do shoulder replacements and have them last a long time. We're really starting to figure out you know, some of the things we did not know in the past. And so, you know, one of the things when I came back to Cincinnati and I would talk to people about doing a shoulder replacement is a lot of people didn't know you could do that. And I spent a lot of time not just educating patients, but also educating primary care physicians because historically 90% of the shoulder replacements were done by guys that maybe did a few a year. And this whole concept of a shoulder specialist was new. And now we have people that are doing you know, 200, 300 shoulder replacements a year. And, and we're having tremendous results because we're, we have new technology that allows us to put a more anatomic shoulder in. We're able to reproduce what the knee and hip has been doing for years, and the shoulder just caught up maybe in the last 10 to 15 years. You know, when you think about athletics and the throwing motion, it's pretty amazing that we can even throw, you know, baseballs, and it's a pretty intricate thing that's... Uh, it's just amazing, really, what it can do. But and it can get banged up. You do. And, and I think what people don't realize, and you see it a lot in this time of year with uh, Little League shoulder, is how much of that throwing comes from your legs. So you have to have strong legs and try to offset some of that power uh, so that you're not doing it all with your shoulder. But, yeah, you know, what makes the shoulder unique is it's really a combination of, of two major joints. It's the scapula on your ribs, which is one-third of the motion, and then it's the ball and socket, and those have to work in concert. So I kind of liken it to when you have a seal balance a ball on its nose. You've got to have that seal balance to get that ball balanced on its nose, and I think the shoulder is a little intricate like that. Is it mostly baseball? Is it football? Or What are, what are the, some of the uh, injuries in the sports medicine that you have to do? What's the, uh, what sport would you say, you know, what are maybe ranked the top three sports where you see, you know, all the shoulder injuries that you perform surgery on or diagnose? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think just from a volume standpoint, you certainly see a lot of shoulder dislocations and shoulder separations in football players. Um, I remember a few years back, we didn't have a lot of rain, and this is when not many of the high school fields were turf, but the ground was really hard, and we saw a lot of shoulder separations because the kids getting tackled on this hard ground. I would say the other sports that we tend to see, swimming, this is very difficult on the shoulder, and those those students tend to go year-round, and um, so we tend to see them. And then, obviously, in the spring, we see a lot of the the youth baseball players that come in with little league shoulder because they haven't been practicing all year, and then they started ramping back up. And, 
you know, they're challenged with growing and as they're getting bigger, they have these growth plates and these growth plates, if you do too much too fast, get stress fractures. And so those are probably the three most common sports that we see things in. I think the uh, scary thing is when you see a quarterback drop back and, and uh, look downfield, he's, he's honing in on a receiver, uh, gets that shoulder up and, and back, and then, you know, a defender will come in and kind of try to strip the ball or, you know, get a hold of that arm, and things can – it just looks ugly to me. It does, and, I mean, if you think about it, when we were younger playing football – we weren't in shape when we started our year. We got in shape the first few weeks of the season, and now these athletes all the way down to high school and even into seventh and eighth grade are treating their body like a temple and training year-round. So they're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster, and they're more violent when they're doing these uh, these approaches to the quarterback. So even more, I think it's a little bit more scary than it was when I was in high school. Briefly, if you could uh, explain that rotator cuff to our listeners and what it's what it's all about. Sure. So uh, the rotator cuff is actually a group of four muscles that are around the shoulder. And what they do is they keep your, your humerus, your humeral head centered in the socket. So they kind of work in concert. So I mentioned a little bit earlier that your shoulder is really two joints. Uh, one third of your shoulder motion comes from the scapula on the ribs, and then two thirds of your shoulder motion comes from that ball and socket. And so as that scapula is moving, uh, the rotator cuff will fire to keep the ball centered on the socket and to keep it, keep it working appropriately. And so there are four muscles, one on the top, two in the back, and one in the front. And, um, you know, as time uh, encroaches on us as we mature in life, uh, as you get closer to 60, you may start seeing some rotator cuff tears, and that's probably one of the more common things that we'll see in the office as an orthopedic surgeon. With that rotator cuff, there's what's called the labrum. What exactly does that do as far as... So the labrum is a bumper of cartilage around the socket. You know, the socket's really only about two-thirds the size of the humeral head, and so it's really, I like to say the shoulder's really like a golf ball on a golf tee. And so the labrum's a way to make that golf tee a little bit bigger for stability. Mm -hmm. uh, the labrum also is a place where different ligaments attach. So when you tear your labrum, it's not always a problem that you tore your labrum, but rather the ligaments that are attached to labrum tear, and then you might have an unstable shoulder. So when someone dislocates their shoulder, they might tear at the labrum, but they've disrupted the ligament complex. Now their shoulder has a hard time staying in the joint, and that might be someone that we have to go in and fix. And that might, be ha that might happen when you talk about your example of a quarterback. He's got his arm back. It gets hit by a defensive end or a linebacker, and it goes back farther than it should. He might dislocate his shoulder anteriorly and lose that anterior restraint and need to have that fixed and stabilized surgically. And you've done those stabilization uh, repairs? Yes, we've done, we do quite a few at Beacon. Uh, I would say that's one of the more common injuries we see in younger patients. It's very uncommon to see a rotator cuff. It's not impossible, um, but you tend to see those as patients get older, maybe over 50 and 60. But when they're younger, you're going to see a, a labrum tear either in the front of the labrum. We'll call those anterior labral tears. You might see one in the back. We call those posterior labral tears. And then with a lot of overhead athletes, you might see what's called a superior labral tear. And on the superior part of the labrum is where one part of your biceps called the long head of the biceps inserts. And uh, that might be something we see in our throwing athletes. You know, everybody would uh, definitely like to see one day uh, some sort of cure for cancer and things like that. Personally, 
Uh, where I'm at, uh, I'd like to see a cure for tendonitis. Is there anything on the horizon <laughs> for that? I'm the, I think I got it in every joint in my body. Yeah, you know, that's the unfortunate thing is that uh, as things go on, we tend to get more and more tendonitis. And I think that, you know, our tendons change with time. They lose some of their flexibility. They, they change kind of the intrinsic nature, so they're not as pliable as they used to be. So I think if you're looking for ways to prevent tendonitis, it has a lot to do with maintaining your flexibility, has a lot to do with keeping your strength. So, I mean, most people that I see in the office, they come in because they're inflexible and because they're weak. So a lot of times that's what we're working on in physical therapy. And that's why I will stress to some of my patients, hey, you really got to do something like yoga because it works on flexibility. It works on strength. I mean, those are the two reasons that cause a tendon to fail. And so those are some things that you can do to try to prevent tendonitis and then partial tears in those tendons uh, and hopefully uh, keep your shoulder as healthy as you can for as long as you can. Glad you brought that up, Doc. With the uh, with yoga, um, we're going to have some guests, podcasts on coming up in the future to talk about that and what a real benefit it is for people to do that and, and get those joints flexible and stronger. It is. There's, there's a lot of different ways to, to kind of maintain your health, and it's not not just with physical therapy, but I mean, even if you look at some of these division one, uh, campuses, you know, you mentioned Joe Berger when he was up at Ohio state, they were doing things like yoga. They were doing hot yoga. They were doing cupping. They were doing different things that weren't the traditional medical way of treating it because they knew the importance. I mean, you're playing division one football, the more flexible you are, the less likely you are to have an injury with some of those uh, situations you put you, yourself in. But I think it's extremely important with our patients, and I stress it all the time with these young kids because, you know, we're talking about shoulders. They, they tend to be tight in the back of the shoulder. When I see runners, they tend to be tight in their hamstrings. And if I can work on their flexibility about their body, I feel like they're going to see us less frequent in the office. You know, I attended uh, one of your shoulder seminar meetings that you had, and uh, one of the terms you were talking about at that uh, particular evening was impingements and tears and things like that. We talked about um, the purpose of the rotator cuff is to kind of keep that ball centered in the socket. And if the rotator cuff is not doing a really good job, that ball will be a little bit higher than normal. And right above the rotator cuff is your acromion and your collarbone. And so if the, the humerus and the rotator cuff is hitting up on that acromion, we call that an impingement. And that means you're pinching the tissues. And what that leads to is that impingement will lead to a bursitis, that it'll also lead to a tendonitis. And this is the continuum of rotator cuff disease because that tendonitis becomes tendinosis and then it becomes partial thickness tears and full thickness tears and massive tears and irreparable tears. And so the whole purpose of rehab when you're working in your shoulder is to strengthen that rotator cuff and strengthen the muscles around your shoulder so that you keep that ball better centered in the socket and you're not getting any bony impingement that's leading to that tendonitis and then subsequent pathology. Doc, would you, uh, and once again, I'm with Dr. Robert Rolfe here in Cincinnati at the uh, Beacon Orthopedic uh, Medical Center. When you're talking about lifting weights and things like that, bench pressing, uh, shoulder pressing with, you know, large amounts of weight, kind of like maybe uh, Joe Berger was doing uh, when he was training with the Buckeyes, bench presses, shoulder presses. Would it be safe to say that when you're doing those lifts, you're not really training the rotator cuff very much at all? Yeah, it's a, it's a, a good way to think about things because what I like to tell my patients in the office when we do the rotator cuff strengthening 
is that the rotator cuff muscles are really two to four pound muscles. And what that means is you're going to see a physical therapist and they're going to show you these rubber band exercises. And when you're doing these exercises, you're going to feel like you're not really doing anything. But what they're actually doing is they're isolating out those rotator cuff muscles. Because once you get bigger than 10 pounds, once you're lifting 20 pounds, then you're going to recruit your bigger muscles. You're going to recruit your pectoralis and your latissimus and your uh, trapezius and your deltoid. And when you're working on rotator cuff health, we want to maintain that small muscle, uh, the, the small pound, the, the two to four pound uh, strength testing so that you're, so our strength that resistance so that you're working on those muscles and isolating them out. Because otherwise, I have people come in all the time, these big bodybuilders are like, I lift all the time. Why is my rotator cuff weak? And it's because their big muscles are ridiculously strong, yeah. but they're not isolating out the rotator cuff muscles and working on those the appropriate way. So don't let your uh, personal feelings about, oh, it's just a two pound weight in my hand. You can't I'll let that get to you. You've got right. To... I, I try to reassure them that there is a method to the madness, and we're really working on those muscles. You just have to be patient. Two to four pounders. And yeah. That'll, that'll do it. And yeah. the bands. Correct. The bands are extremely important. And, you know, I have a son who plays baseball, and every year we try to give their team bands just to do, be preventative about injuring their shoulder. And it's, it's done tremendously well to where we don't see any of the kids during the year. Yeah. Speaking of bands, uh, we we get all our bands from Bill Jacobs Power Company. I'll throw a plug in for uh, Bill, and and uh, it's kind of cool that you mentioned bands. And uh, yeah, Bill's been in the business for like forty years, you know, and he actually uh, does a lot with the Buckeyes and Notre Dame and all the schools. So oh, yeah. he's one of the big uh, suppliers. Of thanks for bringing that up, uh, Bill Jacobs Power Company, one of the uh, sponsors of our Athletic Strength and Power podcast. You know, we talked about overhead presses or. Uh, uh, those, like, like we said, those are some of the centerpiece movements of uh, strength training programs. Um, are there any precautions that people should take, like athletes should take, as far as doing those overhead presses or doing the bench presses and things like that? To, um, Dr. Ted Lamarnita is one of our uh, sports science guys. He talks all the time about not building up one, you know, one structure of the body as opposed to work on the right you want to make sure that you know there there are 17 muscles around that scapula and so when you talk about scapula thoracic motion there are a lot of muscles that go along with that and you want to make sure you're not just focused on your anterior shoulder muscles but you're also getting your posterior shoulder muscles as well you know what i try to tell my patients in the office when it comes to shoulder health is there's definitely some things you don't want to do a lot and i always tell people if you can't see your hand in your peripheral vision it's probably in a bad position and then you want to spend less time with your hand above the the shoulder level and more time with your hand below the shoulder level and that's going to help with your shoulder health you know there's a lot of people that can can do almost anything and they don't have any problems but i think some people anatomically what they were blessed with of mom and dad that had bad shoulders you want to avoid some heavy things that are going to bother you and and i think that's a good rule of thumb to follow and then on the bar you wouldn't go too wide is that what you're saying or would you keep as long as you're keeping it in front of you i think you're perfectly fine i just think you put yourself at risk you know i saw a lot of injuries when um you probably remember p90x in those yeah. videos, those guys had ridiculously big shoulders, but I saw a lot of injuries with P90X, and then Insanity was next, and it's because they were really overloading their shoulder. They weren't paying attention to the other muscles. One thing that uh, you mentioned is really seems interesting. When, you know, when you're in the, when you go to the bathroom and you're uh, brushing your teeth or, you know, combing your hair or shaving or whatever, you, you, know, you really don't think about your scapula 
or even see it because it's you know it's in the back it's on the posterior side of your uh, rib cage and everything 17 muscles are attached to that yeah yeah they go into your back they go into your chest wall they go into your shoulder so it's really important part of shoulder of shoulder health and you know in particular what a lot of people will do if they have a weak shoulder is they'll do what we call a substitute with the scapula so if they have a rotator cuff tear or if they have shoulder arthritis and they have a hard time with their normal range of motion, they'll actually, and you may see people all the time that hike their shoulder up and they're hiking their shoulder up because the scapula is trying to do more than that one third of motion. It's trying to compensate for what that ball and socket can't do because of the injury. So a lot of shrugging mov movements too yeah. to get that. Yeah, that'll help with the, yep. and, uh, that's rhomboids. one of the muscles. Yep. Before we go, you're one of the premier shoulder experts. Uh, you spoke a little bit about it, but you've had some serious specialty uh, work that you did was, like you said, in Boston and then uh, down in Atlanta, right? Yeah, we, you know, I went to, uh, I went to Boston to the uh, Harvard Shoulder Institute where for one year, all we did was shoulder surgery. We did complex shoulder surgery. We did the simple things, the rotator cuffs. We did a lot of shoulder replacements, whether it's an anatomic shoulder replacement or reverse shoulder replacement. Uh, we did tendon transfers for some people who don't have rotator cuffs anymore. So uh, it, was a, it was a great year. Uh, you know, I mentioned uh, athletically why it was a great year, but it was a great year just to be up at a place like Mass General where medicine started and just kind of see the history of medicine and, and then just train with these, these special people that are just tremendous at what they do. Some of the top doctors in the field were working right. out of that, that hospital. Yeah, I mean, the two guys that I trained with, I'd say, were probably top 10 in the world. So it was a great, tremendous uh, blessing I was given to be able to train underneath them. Well, there you have it. I'll tell you what, if I'm, hopefully I will we'll knock on some wood and uh, protect my shoulders and uh, do, you know, take, uh, take your advice on, on a lot of the things that you've uh, thrown out at us here uh, with Athletic Strength and Power podcast today. But, uh, Doc, I'm going to put the message out there right now. Dr. Rolf, thank you for joining us for this podcast today. If anything you want to add or you got any questions for me, fire away. I appreciate your time. If you uh, want to see what we had to offer, you can always look at Dr. Rolf, spell out doctor, drrolf.com. Uh, we certainly appreciate you joining us for this podcast today. Thank you. Thank you.